The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. It's always a joy to talk about what God's doing with um, here at King's Cross. Like I was saying, I was just at the, um, at the Dialogue Church, and it's just cool to see what God's doing to reach the lost and reach the broken and needy in Manchester, and that we get to play our small part. Um, so tonight we are going to continue our series in... Uh, looking at uh, individual encounters of people with Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. It's a small five-verse little section of Jesus' ministry. But um, to kind of catch you up on where we've been, we, uh, we started out looking at a day in the life of Jesus. And we saw that Jesus, in the, day, in the day in the life of Jesus, it was drenched with compassion. He was full of compassion with people from beginning to late in the night, and healing people left and right, um, making people uh, better, and most importantly, teaching them of the kingdom of God. And then we looked at, um, two weeks ago now, we looked at this uh, first calling of Jesus to his disciples. So Peter and the miraculous gathering into the fish, and um, this moment where Jesus' power is on full display. And then tonight, we're going to look at this little interaction between Jesus and this man who is said to be full of leprosy. And this is, I just have to confess, I know there's a small little little section, five verses. It's one of my, uh, everything okay? Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. For the recording, please ignore. Um, <laughs> we, uh, this is one of my favorite little sections of the uh, Jesus ministry life. I know there's just a five verses. This is, has to be one of my favorite interactions between Jesus and an individual. And I think what we're going to see as we begin to look at this together, we are going to see a visual presentation of the gospel. And this seemingly small section, the small little five-verse sliver of Jesus' life, we're going to see this visual presentation of the gospel of what the gospel is and the glory of God and the deep realities of God's grace and the deep realities of our need and the extent to which Jesus goes out of his way, out of his love for this man, out of his love for us, the great love that Jesus has for us. We're going to see Jesus, the cost of Jesus' love for this man. And I think what we're going to see in this man as we begin to get to know him a little bit better, as we begin to study him and ask questions about him, we're going to see in his example that seeing Jesus is the healing that we need. Uh, it's a simple reality, but this, this reality of seeing Jesus is the healing that we need, I think, is at the heart of the gospel, is at the heart of this passage, and we're going to be looking through it. And to kind of begin, um, let, me, let me read through the passage, and then we'll pray for God's help, and then we're going to start to get to know this man. So here we are. Jesus has just called the disciples, and then it goes on to say, while he was in one of the cities, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately... 
the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one but to go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded as a proof to them. But now, even more, than the, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmaries. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's ask God for his help. Father, we ask that you would send your spirit now. You have given us your word, which is true and right, and we see Jesus here. And God, we ask that you would send your spirit so that we would know him and treasure him and see him. In his name we pray. Amen. So the, the difficulty of this whole passage, I think, lies in the fact that we're talking about a leper, and we don't have lepers around us very often, right? Like, we don't have people... When we think about leprosy, we kind of think of that as like an old thing that used to happen, something that used to happen a long time ago, or something that we don't really experience that much. And I think the contemporary version of that, in many ways, is the AIDS epidemic that we saw in the 90s and kind of how that played out and continues to play out with people that are so besought by this disease, that are so kind of affected that everything about their lives changes and everything about the culture around them orients uh, with shock and horror at who they are. And so, kind of with that in mind, let's start asking a little bit about who this man is with the leprosy, because we see in verse 12, we're talking about this main character, this nameless man. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. So one of the things to kind of note is that this, this term leprosy, we think of it as... Um, very kind of a specific term, you know, it's, uh, it's called the, the Henson, Hansen's disease, not Hansen the band, Hansen's disease, the doctor diagnosed it as a, bi, you know, a, uh, a bacteria, a flesh-eating bacteria, but this is kind of a loose term, just kind of anything that is uh, skin-eating, a skin disease of some kind that is um, massively affecting upon, just change, rots, rots the body away, eats the body away. Uh, so it's kind of a loose term, but still, this man, they, they're all treated the same. Anybody with one of these diseases would have been ostracized from out of their community and set, sent out. They would have been uh, a, cast out and uh, rejected by their community. And so let's begin to kind of consider who this man was and what his experience would have been. He would have had this moment where he would have had a scratch or an itch that suddenly didn't seem to go away, that didn't stop itching, that would have continued to itch and that would have begun to be very painful and would have continued and he would have begun to feel a certain degree of anxiety about it because here it's been two or three weeks and the itch has not gone away. This scratch, this thing on my arm, wherever it was, wasn't going away, and you know what that means. If this does not go away, this is going to be bad news. This is going to be a real problem, and this could change everything about me. If it continues the way this happened for the other guy, this is chaos to my family. This, maybe this guy was married. Maybe this guy had a family. Uh, clearly, they were strong, 
family networks, strong neighborhood networks, and that culture. And so whatever was going on with him was going to change everything because if this develops, his wife, his children, not going to be able to touch or hug. He's going to have to leave everything. Everything changes. It, it will be pandemonium. It will be chaos. Who's going to provide for his family if he has to leave? What's, it going, to, what's going to happen? Others are going to reject him. All of his friends for his entire life are going to refuse to be around him, refuse to touch him, refuse to talk to him. You know, we, in New England, we have kind of like this, like, three to seven foot, like, circle. You know, don't come near me, three feet. You know, back with this, it's like across the room or out of the town, you know, <coughs> rejected entirely. And so you can imagine this itch, this skin condition that did not go away. And bit by bit, to have this condition would have been to have your body eaten away slowly over time. I mean, there's... You know, the way leprosy specifically, it, it, you know, people lose their noses, they lose extremities um, because of the condition. And who knows what was going on, but nobody would have touched him. And just kind of like we treat people with a cold, we kind of quarantine them. There, there might have become a, a time, you know, two months into this condition happening for him that he had to sleep on the roof, had to sleep outside. He couldn't sleep in his house. Uh, wife wouldn't come near him. No more hugs from the children. His friends began to see and were beginning to have opinions about him because, you know, who knows, this might be the judgment of God upon him for some sort of sin that he has done in secret. So you begin to kind of feel the, the anxiety, the growing tension of here. And here at the end, he, this condition develops and they have to confirm it. And in the midst of all of this, he is from having been in community and having been in loving relationships and friendships, in the midst of all this, he's going to be all, all alone. Nobody to talk to him, nobody to get near him, nobody to touch him, nobody to shake his hand, nobody to hug him in compassion even. You know, here's this thing happening to him and nobody's even going to say, you know, buddy, I'm with you. Nobody's going to touch him or be near him. And this is, I think, I think, in this man, we begin to, as we think about this, this condition that he's experiencing, this uh, defilement that he is embodying. Because he is embodying a defilement to their culture, to their, the health of the people, their physical health, their spiritual health, their cultural health. He's, em, he's embodying this decay. And I think within him, within his example, we begin to see for us what it's like that that feeling of anxiety of being exposed. I don't know if you guys have ever had that experience, but if people knew who I am, the thoughts that I have, the deep, dark parts of my life, the things that I've done in secret, the things I've thought in secret, the things that I've been a part of in secret, or with other people, if people, people knew those things, this leper's experience and my experience would not be that different. They would not want anything to do with me. If the thoughts and the fears and judgments of my own heart were on full display in front of everybody, like leprosy on the skin, rejection, judgment, and rightfully so, they would, we, in this man, we begin to see an embodiment of our defilement before God, our defilement with each other, 
what sin does to our hearts. You know, I, I experienced this. I don't know if you've ever kind of come face to face with this where you are suddenly shocked by how bad you are. I don't know if you've ever had one of those experiences of like, oh, I'm like a really bad person, and I thought I was okay. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those experiences. Uh, I could go through many in my life, um, but one of the ones that uh, I think sticks out to me as one of the most jarring experiences was, um, I don't know if you guys think I'm funny, but I think I'm fairly funny. And so I think that my gift of sarcasm needs to be a blessing upon everybody in the world. And um, so there was, at my old job, there was a moment where I got one of the other, I, was, I used to be a computer technician, and one of the other computer technicians came up and just asked some sort of, really just kind of like, you know, work-related question, like, hey, did so-and-so do this, or did you do this, or whatever, just kind of like a management sort of thing. And <laughs> I don't even remember what I said, but I, I, I totally remember the tone. It still rings my head of, you know, rah, 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 rah. you know, it was kind of like joking, but like saying something like, ne- like extremely negative towards him and kind of thinking like, oh, we're all bros, you know, we all... We all pounded at the end of the day. We're all good. And uh, he was kind of like, you know, wide-eyed and walked away. And then later in the day, you know, he came and talked to me. He was like, Jacob, I was really offended when you said that. And here I was thinking I was a great, funny guy that everybody got along with. And, and then suddenly I realized, like, no. Like, you, you, A, are not as funny as you think you are. But then, B, you are not as loving with your words as you think you are. Here I was with this friend of mine who was a great technician and a good friend saying mean words that kind of had like this double tone to them, you know, like, well, you have to read below the line to understand what I'm saying. And if you don't understand them, you're not as cool as me. You don't understand my sense of humor. I was being totally unloving with him. And it just totally revealed this whole category in my life where I used my words to demean and uh, insult other people with a tone of sarcasm because it was funny. And it's just the reality of, like, if people knew how much of that were to go on in my, my own heart, and my own life, um, they would see that I, too, like this man, have a leprosy in my own soul. I am defiled. I am in need. I imagine that as I'm talking through this, potentially there are categories in your own life that you're thinking of, ways that if people were to begin to ex- examine them or if the light of God were to shine on them, you would shriek back in horror like you would with the man with leprosy, as the culture did towards this man with leprosy. I think we begin to see, I wish this man had a name. I would love to, I'd love to shake his hand. I'd love to talk about him by name, but we're just called, he's just called the leper. But I think in this man, we begin to see in our own hearts, I see the reality of our own hearts. And so you can imagine after this trial period with confirming the leprosy, all this anxiety and tension, he's living amongst his people that are all at a distance, you know, 20 feet away or whatever. He, uh, ultimately, this condition was confirmed. And the reality, the way they treated people with leprosy is that it was an incurable disease. And you had to, for the sake of everybody else around you and the health of the community and your family, you had to leave. They had these things called leper colonies, and I think they existed until the last, you know, 10 to 50 years, I want to say, but leper colonies where people with leprosy would, they had to be ostracized and they had to leave the town that they were in, the town they grew up in, the hometown where they loved their family, where they worked. They had to leave everything. Everything had to be left. If he was a tradesman, hammers on the ground, and he had to walk out. Uh, can, you, can you imagine the pain of this man's experience? 
Maybe he had kids. He'll, he'll never see them again. Maybe his high school sweetheart that he got married to, never see her again. His parents that he was hoping to provide for in their retirement, he's now lost his job. No provision for them. Children left without any provision. His friends that he would you know, go hang out at the pub with on a Friday night or maybe Sunday night because of their work calendar. Never going to see them again. Everything, everything had to be left. All because of this, this rash that developed into something that was incurable, that defined him, that would not go away. This, this was his reality. You know, he, he left this world uh, that he was familiar with, and then not only did he have to, because of this leprosy, did he have to leave all that, but he had to go to a community of people that looked exactly like him and remind him of his defilement every day of his life. He had to leave a place of people that were healthy and strong and go live amongst a place of people that looked exactly like him, that exhibited the same defilement, the same reminder day after day of what had happened to him, his story of losing everything because of this condition. And I think we see in this man's experience of leprosy, we see in some ways the consequences of sin. You know, we were just talking about the, you know, the realities of our hearts being exposed. I mean, we see it on the news all the time, all these kind of like big neon sign things of guys you know, having double lives and being exposed and their lives crumbling and falling apart. Uh, but maybe it's, um, maybe it's smaller at times, the consequences of sin, not getting the job promotion because your job review came back and you really just weren't qualified or worthy because of some, you know, you were lazy on the job. I can relate to that. And the consequences of sin, like this man having to leave every, leave every, leave everything, everything, and that remind him of his defilement day by day. The consequences of sin in our lives are tragic. Not only of our own sins, but then of being the victims of sin. You know, the reality is that this man... There's no, there's no reason to think that he had done anything wrong, that he had done anything deserving of this. He was defined by something he was completely a victim to. I mean, who knows how he got the, got the leprosy. I would assume that it just kind of like appeared. You know, he was a victim of something that he had no control over. You know, I think there are people in this room, there are people in our lives that are defined by tragic consequences of sin. They're defined by realities that happen in their lives. Somebody, you know, here we are talking about this man who's not able to touch anybody ever again. Well, there's people whose lives are completely defined because as a child, somebody touched them in a way that was completely, completely sinful, completely defiling. People, people are defined by the suffering and tragedy in their lives in a way that leaves a mark that that seems to never be able to be healed, that could never be changed. This man, I think, shows us, not only does he show in his outward appearance this condition of leprosy, what our souls are like because of our own sin, but I think he also embodies this reality of being the victim of a fallen and broken sinful world. I don't know if you have had any of those experiences where you were defined by the sin and tragedy 
things happen around you. Maybe somebody did touch you in a way that was in, that was wrong. Maybe, maybe you have been defined by those things. But I think in this man, we're going to find, find a movement into the gospel, into who Jesus is, that I think, I think gives us hope, and that changes, changes how we understand God, and changes our enjoyment of grace. And so here we have this man. All this because we're looking at verse 12. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And I think just in that phrase, full of leprosy, that's what we've been looking at. Who is this man full of leprosy? And the fact that it says he was full of leprosy, it means that all of this stuff that we've been talking about at this point in the story probably happened 20 or 30 years ago. It's probably been decades that he has been living alone, isolated, ashamed, defiled, because he's full of leprosy, full of it. Like, it's all over. Everybody can obviously see it. It's progressed big time. This is his, this is his reality. And so you can imagine, kind of leading up to this moment, he hears of Jesus. Because something happens between Jesus' beginning of ministry and this man far off in a leper colony, and he hears of Jesus somehow. Somehow there was somebody that would go and take news, would take maybe provision, would take food to the lepers, you know, kind of throw it over the fence to them, you know, <laughs> okay, you guys stay over there, but I'm going to love you enough to kind of come close. And potentially this man, whoever that was, was saying, hey, have you heard of Jesus? No, who's Jesus? What has he done? Jesus, he heals sick people. <laughs> saying that to a leper colony, you know. <laughs> he heals people who are real sick. He calls fish together to, to break nets together for fishermen who are master fishermen. He outdoes the master fishermen in five seconds. Tell me more about Jesus. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Where's the kingdom of God? I don't know. you got to talk to Jesus. <laughs> you can imagine this experience. This leper colony hearing about Jesus who heals miraculously. People who are sick, who are you know, the, the man with the withered hand, he puts his hand straight miraculously in, in a blink of an eye. You can, you, can, you can almost begin to kind of hear with me this spark of hope that would have stirred in this leper's heart. He heals sick people. I'm, I'm sick physically from head to toe, literally. I'm a, lip, I'm, a, I'm a leper full of leprosy. He heals sick people. You can, you can hear this spark of hope, this faint murmur of maybe, maybe me too. Maybe, maybe this Jesus who heals sick people talks about whatever this kingdom of God is. Maybe he, maybe he will look upon me and heal me too. And so, at great risk, at great cost, he leaves the leper colony. So you, you can imagine there's a sense of being reminded of what he's like all the time because everybody else looks like him with this leper condition and being defiled. But there's a safety in that, right? Because everybody's like him. Nobody's going to kill him for being a leper. But he leaves this colony of lepers, and he makes this track, and at great risk, he walks into town of people who would potentially kill him for infecting the rest of them. He, he crosses all these kind of like cultural faux pas. Lepers don't come into town. They have to kind of throw 
noise around, like leper coming through, leper coming through. He comes into town. And then you can almost kind of begin to see the scene slow down, right? There came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, when he saw when he saw Jesus, you're the man. I, help me. Help me. You begin to hear the, the yearning, the, the tragedy, the, the, the pain boiling out of his soul as he sees Jesus. Jesus, you're the one I've been pursuing. You're, you're the one I've been longing. You're the one that can change this. Jesus, and he comes saying, you can make me clean if you're willing. It's not a question of whether Jesus can. You see, here in this man's example is the question, will you? Jesus, I know you're powerful. I've heard the stories. You control creation, and you can make creation right. Jesus, I can see your power at work, even in the distance. Jesus, I've heard of you. But, but do you care about me? Would you, would you care about me? Are you, are you willing to be gracious to me? Do you, hear, do you hear the yearning in his heart, the pain that he's experiencing, that maybe, maybe I think embodies another aspect of our own experience? Maybe this is some of your experience where you know that God is good. You know that God is powerful. You know that God can help people. But will he help you? Will he help your pain? Will he heal your brokenness? Will he love you? Will he specifically look upon you? Jesus, I see you. Jesus, do you see me? I, I experience this in my own soul, just as a confession before you guys. I experience this day to day. I know that God is powerful, but does God have Jacob Young's address in mind for his grace and power? Does he come to me? Does I, because I, I often feel this sense of God tolerates me, that I am annoyance, that he kind of, okay, I'll listen to you. I've had you around long enough. I might as well kind of like dust you off and keep you on the shelf. Does God care about me? Does he love me? Does he know that I exist? Does he know that I have needs? Does this great God in the universe who upholds everything by the power of his word, does he know that my world is falling apart? I don't know if you ever feel that. If you ever experience this aching doubt of God's goodness to you, of his love for you. And here's just a litmus test. Because it's one thing on a good day when it's sunny and breezy outside, that's 60 degrees in New Hampshire, which is God's heaven. It's one thing to feel good on those days. But when suffering comes, how do you respond to suffering? I think that's the litmus test for how much you trust in and believe God's goodness for you. What, what do you do when suffering knocks at your door? When, like this man's leprosy, it just comes upon you without any, anything that you've done to deserve it.
it happens. Does your soul, does your heart lean into God? God, you can help me. No matter what the circumstances, God, you can help me. Or does your soul and your heart begin to say, God, why, why me? God, why? Now, there are a thousand answers, and I think the Bible tells us to be very cautious when it comes to talking about why suffering happens in our lives. But I think it does expose our hearts. God, are you going to be good to me even in this suffering? God, are you, are you good to me even in this? God, do you remember me? I know that I've heard of your goodness, but I have not experienced it. I think that in this man we hear, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I think all these doubts, this anxiety over what God what God's posture is towards you? How does he think about you? I think we hear, and Jesus' answer to him, we hear what God thinks. What does God think about you? Is he not only good and powerful, but is he good and gracious and powerful to you in, the, in your seat right now and your condition and your needs? So we see then Jesus' response. Verse 13. So we've been introduced to the leper. Then what happens? All this has been about who this man is, where I think we can find ourselves in this story. And now verse 13, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. You see, this leper who was defiled, had not had human contact for 20 to 30 years, was rejected and alone and full of doubt. He comes to Jesus. He sees Jesus. And do you see, do you see the power of how Jesus responds to him? Do you see the, just the graciousness, the glory of how Jesus responds? Jesus doesn't just say, good to go, thumbs up. No, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Jesus does more than just show his power, he exhibits his goodness to this man. This man who had not been touched, who had not been loved, who had not been cared for, who had been rejected, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him to show him mercy, to show him compassion. You see, Jesus confirms his care for this man by his touch. His touch confirms his care to this man. He loves this man. He sees his condition. It's obvious. It's dripping from head to toe. He is full of leprosy. He has no reason to commend himself to Jesus for his goodness to him. He has nothing that would make Jesus have compassion on him. He has nothing in his own that would make Jesus think that he's worthy of grace or mercy. But here is Jesus seeing this man whom he could have just said the word and he would have been healed. But no, Jesus reaches out and touches this man. He says, I will be clean. He touches him. He, do, you, do you see the, gl- the glory of Jesus? He heals him. Yes, Jesus heals him, but Jesus confirms his glory. Jesus confor- confirms that his, he is good and good beyond anything that we could have asked for because this man didn't ask for Jesus to heal him or reestablish him in the community. He just said, Jesus, away a distance from me, If you can, if you will, if you would show me goodness, you can make me clean. But Jesus makes it personal. Jesus gets up right at him and touches him. 
Can you imagine this man begging? The word that's used here, begging, is, pray, is, is another word used for prayer in the Bible. He is begging, God, would you heal me? And Jesus, in his goodness and mercy, reaches down and touches this man. I, th- I, think, I think in this, if you question whether God is good to you, you see here in this example of Jesus with this leper, he goes above and beyond what you could think or ask for his goodness to you. The Bible talks about his unfailing, forever love. His love that is forever and ever because of who he is. We see here in this picture of Jesus reaching down and touching this man. We see that his love isn't undeserved in any way. But Jesus, Jesus, this is the type of Jesus he is. He is the kind who will touch a man to heal him so that he would be made clean again. You see, if your question is, God, will you be good to me? Will you, will you be good to me? I don't have anything, God, I've, I've wrecked my life. That Today, I've, I've sinned left and right. If there are 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour, every one of them has been marked by failure and weakness and sin and disobedience and disregard for you, God. God, I don't have anything. I don't even have a minute in my day to say, look, I thought of you. But, but God looks at you. He reaches out his hand. I will. I will take you as my own. I will, I will receive you. I will love you. I will show compassion to you and heal you. I will. Be clean. Because see, Jesus' phrase, be clean, isn't just kind of like be healed. Be clean, this purity, this, this, this cleansing that happens, not only just kind of like this physical skin, but his full soul and body. Jesus says, I will be clean. Because if you were to look at our souls, like we were talking about, our souls, just like this man, are full of leprosy. We are full of defilement. But God looks at us. God looks at you as he looked at this man and knows that your greatest need is not your physical body being fixed. Your greatest need is for your soul to be cleansed of all that defiles it before God, all that would separate you from God, all that would make God, as these people would have towards this man, pull back in disgust. God leans in through Jesus, says, I will be clean. I lean in. I will take this on. I will take on you. I love you. You see, this man thought, I don't think he knew who Jesus was fully, but this man thought he was getting a healing prophet. But he got a redeemer. He got a redeemer that, that cleanses the soul. Just like we, we need a redeemer. We need Jesus as king, as Lord, as a redeemer, because our souls, like this man, would cause God to fall, fall back in utter shock. But Jesus takes on our soul's condition, our soul's need. And so we see, if this is clarifying the gospel to you and who Jesus is and what this kingdom of God is all about, if this clarifies it for you, let's look at the last few verses here because I think here we are going to see, see the gospel in this passage click into place. Just a further, you ever put glasses on? They're kind of like, like they're kind of close to the, the prescription you need, but not quite. And then you put the real prescription on and like, 
oh, wow, I didn't know the world was in 3D and like clear lines. I think verse 14 through 16 are going to clarify the gospel for us yet again in a, in a deeper reality. So verse 14, and he charged him, this is Jesus, his authority over this man, he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmaries. But listen to this, but Jesus would withdraw to desolate places to pray. You know, I I know that we could look at this and say, oh, look, here is a model for ministry. Here is a model for the Christian life. Jesus goes out to pray. And we could do that. I think that's that's okay. I think that's true here. But I think think there's a deeper reality here because you have to ask the question, okay, Jesus, your healing ministry is taken off. You've had lepers come. And by the way, in that time, healing leprosy was the sort of power that only God had. So clearly there's a sort of power going on here that everybody's going to be gravitated to. Just like the, the people in Capernaum, Jesus, Jesus, would you stay because uh, this whole miracle thing is working out great for the local economy? Jesus, his ministry is rocketing. But he, verse 16, he would withdraw, to de- so continually throughout all of this, he would withdraw to desolate places to pray because you see here at the beginning in verse 12, We see Jesus in the city, amongst the people, caring for them, teaching, showing them who God is. Jesus is in the city, and then at the end of this section, Jesus is out in the wilderness. Jesus is out, and and Mark's account says that he was forced out. And what's the hinge point? Why did Jesus go out to pray? Because Jesus was seeing in his interaction with this man the reality of what was coming. Jesus was, according to Scripture, He was culturally, he was made ceremonially unclean by touching this man. By touching this man and taking on his condition, Jesus was unclean. Jesus took on a condition that was not his own. This man, full of leprosy, Jesus touched him. And in touching him, he took on this man's condition that was not his own, that he did not have any responsibility for. Jesus touched him and took on his condition before the people and before God the people around him, Jesus, in touching this man, was displaying the narrative, the story of the gospel, where Jesus touches our soul and doesn't just say, you know, be gone. No, Jesus, in the full clarity and glory of the gospel, Jesus takes on our sin before God. Jesus takes on our condition. Jesus takes on the wrongs and the the wreck and havoc that we have made of our lives before God, all the ways that we have given the finger to God and sinned against God, Jesus takes on that condition. And in saying, I will be clean to our own souls, Jesus takes on that condition before the cross because in this passage, the cross looms in the distance. The the cross looms far ahead. The cross is coming and Jesus knows, I must prepare my soul for that reality because here in this moment where he is cleansing the leper, he is experiencing, he is displaying this slight parable of the gospel where the gospel will happen on the cross where he will die for our condition. He will die for the true leprosy of our souls, that reality that separates us from God, the deep darkness of our own, our own lives and rejection of God. Jesus will die on the cross because he, because he loves us. Because he loves us so that he would take on our condition so that like this man, 
as Jesus took on this condition of this leper by touching him, this man is now able to stay in town. This man is able to move and cult- amongst the people. He's, able, he's returned to his family that he was once rejected from. Now Jesus, in embodying this, this reality of the gospel, he takes on this man's condition as rejected, as he will be rejected on the cross for our condition so that we could be accepted by God, so that we could become sons and daughters of the living God, so that we could inherit eternal life with God himself, so that we could enjoy the presence of God, as Dave was talking about last week, pursuing the presence of God, so that we could receive, we could be received in God's presence, so that we could enjoy God. We have received what Jesus deserved because Jesus took on what we deserved. This is, you see, in this five-verse section here, the gospel is encapsulated. Our deep need, our deep anxiety, our deep distress, our deep defilement before God, Jesus takes on that and crushes it by his death on the cross so that we could become sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, this, you see, this, this section is not just, maybe you just kind of fly by it because it's five verses. And it's a short parable, a short moment in Jesus' life. But you see in this interaction, this is why I love this leper. Oh, I, I wish I knew his name. I wish, you know, Barnabas or whatever. I want to I greet him in heaven and just celebrate what God has done in his life. So I think, you know, what, have we, what do we learn from this passage? I hope, first, first and foremost, the question would be, do you see Jesus? You see, this man thought he saw Jesus when he was walking towards him. He thought he was saw, saw Jesus for his healing. But you see, this deeper need that we have, this defilement before God that Jesus takes on in our place? Do you see this Jesus? Do you see him as glorious? I think if this passage is holding out that seeing Jesus is the healing we need, the healing you need, it's not just Jesus is powerful, but he's, he's good to you. And the cross where he died in your place, that displays the full glory of his goodness to you. Do you Maybe this is a strange application point, but my aim is always to lead you to worship Jesus out of the Bible. Do you see Jesus for who he is? Do you love him? Do you see that he died in your place? That he died for you? The healing that you need to be reconciled to God, to be brought back in a relationship with God? Do you see this Jesus who died and rose from the grave out of love for you? Do you see him? Do you treasure him? Do you love him? I think a second application of this, and I think this comes out of if we are people who know our condition, we are like this man, lepers of the soul. If we are like this man and have received so much goodness from God, do we live lives, do we pursue those around us in similar brokenness and need? Do we pursue the people around us who are broken like this man? Remember, this, this leper, he had a friend who came and told him about what was going on with Jesus because he knew their condition. He knew that they wouldn't know Jesus apart from befriending these people. Do, do we live lives that pursue the people around us that are broken and needy? Do you know your neighbors? Do your neighbors know you? Do they know your love and compassion for them 
not try to get, them a, get a tract in their hand or even get a church invite? Do they know that you love them as a display of how freely Jesus has loved you? You have been the recipient of God's free grace, free love to you. Do you freely love the people around you? Yes, it's going to be inconvenient. Yes, it's going to be painful, just like friendship with this man would have been inconvenient and painful. But it displays the gospel in your life when you love people, not because of anything that they deserve, but like you deserve nothing from God. And yet God loved you, that he, that we would love our neighbors around us. You know, we live at 45 Canton Street. Does the, the new neighbors across the street, do they know my name? Do I know their name? Do they know that I love them and care about them? Loving our neighbors, loving our city because they are broken and needy, just like we are. There's no... There is an even ground at the foot of the cross where we are all in need, all in need of God's grace, which we have received in Jesus through, you know, I was just at this thing for the addiction thing going on in the city. Are you, are you guys thinking about how we can pursue those friends of ours that are addicts and in need? I've been starting to go to, uh, on Thursday nights, a thing called Roka Kids. It's, a, it's a, an hour and a half. It's a, it's a meal. It's food. It's a Bible lesson for kids. They're, from, they're broken and needy, just like me. I'm taking the boys just to love and serve our neighbors. You know, there's food for children on Saturday mornings. There are AA meetings in the city where you can just go and befriend people who are broken and needy. Just like this man was broken and needy, and somebody shared Jesus with him. I think that we see a, a pattern of the gospel held out for us in our lives that we you know, we want this church to grow, right? But I think, I don't, I'm not entirely interested in the church growing by transfer growth. I want it to grow by conversion growth. People coming to know Jesus, knowing his grace, just like this man in this passage did, just as you in your life have experienced the goodness of Jesus. And he reached out and said, I will be clean. He said that to you. We want more people in Manchester, in the Manchester area, to respond to Jesus who's, to see the healing that they need is not some physical healing. Yes, we believe in healing. We believe that that continues. But we want souls to be made clean. We want people to be reconciled to God because, you see, seeing Jesus, we are going to see this over and over again. I think my, my main points and my applications are going to become repetitious because the main point of the Gospels is to see Jesus, to see who he is, to love him and treasure him and to know him to respond to the grace of who he is and how he died for us, that we would be reconciled to God and be made sons and daughters of the living God. I think we see that it's the gospel in this passage in such a way that we, we see that seeing Jesus is the healing that you need, the healing that I need. Seeing Jesus is the healing that we need. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would love him more dearly, that we would see his grace to us, we would see that he took on our greatest need so that we would become sons and daughters of you. We ask that as we experience your presence here, that the gospel will be fresh to us, that we would know the realities of the gospel, that we would enjoy the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And even now as we take communion together, will we be reminded afresh of the joy of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you 
for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.